Mission Center, and so glad you could. Morning, I'm so glad you're here this morning, and um, yeah, Pastor Scott and Cheryl and the team are in Guatemala. They arrived yesterday and sent us a few pictures back. This is them, I believe, at the airport. And then uh, they got to Hope of Life, which is the ministry that reaches out to all the surrounding um, villages up in the mountainsides of Guatemala. And so here's some pictures from them and other teams that are there uh, working with other villages. And uh, they were part of worship this morning. As a matter of fact, Cheryl sent me a, a text via WhatsApp, I think. Yeah, here we go. She says, good morning. You're going to do a good job today. We'll see. <laughs> It wasn't too bad the first service, but you never know. <laughs> Services are different. Uh, she says, it's a beautiful morning here. We are at church, even though we don't know all the, all the language. Praising the Lord is the same around the world. It's powerful. We are united with KCC today in praising Jesus. So that's exciting. They're having a good time so far. Everybody's healthy and happy. Uh, so we're just going to keep praying for that. Matter of fact, let's pray for them real quick before we move on. Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you for our team, Lord God, that's down in Guatemala. Lord, we pray for an effective time of ministry, uh, Lord, in and through their lives uh, as they go down there. Lord, would they, boy, would they carry the gospel, not only in word, but in deed, Lord. And uh, I pray that uh, the people of the village, Lord God, their eyes would be open to the reason this team is there. Lord God, even though there's a language barrier, would there be a, uh, a spiritual connection? Lord God, if eternity is in the heart of every man, uh, I pray that, uh, Lord, you would just break through uh, some stuff down there maybe. And, and Lord, emissions trips, uh, that we go on, you know, we, we always hope that we affect the, the culture that's there. But Lord, we are so, um, I've been so changed on mission trips. You've opened my eyes to certain things. And Lord, we pray for uh, that for our team as well. Lord God, would they be led by your voice, led by the Holy Spirit. And uh, Lord God, would it just be, like I said, an effective and powerful time uh, down there in Guatemala for all involved. And we love you. We just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're going to, uh, you know, they were telling me about their flight over and everything was uneventful. Um, but I've been on a few flights and I, I don't have that much experience. I don't like flying. That's, I, I have a, enough experience to know I just don't like it. My, my wife wants to see the world. She wants to see every, she's like the Dr. Seuss book, oh, the places we'll go. And I'm over here going, yeah, the places you'll go. I just don't, <laughs> don't want to go. It just doesn't sound like fun. Um, you know, I, I, I just, I've had a few, I've, I've flown to New York, I've flown to Florida, uh, so good six-hour chunks. I've never flown internationally. Um, I'd like to keep it that way. But my, <laughs> but my wife, she just, she wants to go all these different places, and every year, um, she gets a, a doctor's conference, and she, she's like, where do you want to go? Let's just pick a place. <laughs> and I, I always slide her finger back closer to Oregon. Um, but I just, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I, I saw the movie alive when I was really young. You remember the movie Alive? The plane movie, right? And so these people are in a plane. For those of you who haven't seen it, I'm just going to try to persuade you this morning that you don't like flying either. <laughs> um, they're in a plane, and I don't even know how old I was. I don't even think there was an adult in the room. Watching your letting your kids watch TV without supervision is not a good thing. Uh, <laughs> but I got on the movie, and I knew it was called Alive. Um, 
and that was back before, you know, you had the little menu bar that told you what you were watching. You just had to watch it for a little while and guess. And these people are in a plane and they're, you know, I don't know what happens. Maybe they hit like a gaggle of geese or, or something like that. Anyway, the side or the back of this plane, the tail gets ripped off, right? And then the people, the passengers are in their seats. They're bolted to the floor, but yet one by one, they start getting ripped out, right? Do you remember? It's terrifying, and this is like my first, I'd never flown since then. I'm just watching these people fly out. And, and I think they finally, like, you follow a couple of the survivors down. They start eating each Anyway, it doesn't really matter. They were trying to survive. <laughs> you know, like you do. Turn to cannibalism. Um, anywho, this is off topic. Uh, all that to say, I don't like flying. And my wife wants to go to Hawaii. We were actually supposed to go. Um, we settled for Napa Valley. <laughs> But we were actually supposed to go to Hawaii because I said, you know, I just, I don't want to fly six straight hours over water. I'm a strong swimmer, but I, not, in, not a thousand miles in any direction. I tire after about 750, you know, like I just, just get tuckered out. Um, but I don't know, I, I just, one little bump or, you know, bit of turbulence, and I think we're going down. My mind runs away with me. I'm a real fun person to sit next to on a plane. <laughs> uh, white knuckling it the whole way. And Lord forbid one of those masks drop down from the ceiling like they do in the movies. You wouldn't have to worry... You wouldn't have to worry about losing me during the plane crash. I, my heart would give out long before the plane hit the water, <laughs> watching that thing drop down. <laughs> oh, gosh. But what's the reality, though, of like this actually happening? What's the reality um, that, that everything we think, like, okay, so in a plane, a little bit of turbulence, a little bit of a, a little whatever, a little shaking, uh, what's, what's the reality that it's, we always go, not we always, I, and you can agree with me if you'd like, go worst case scenario. Like we've hit a gaggle of geese, is that what they're called, a gaggle? Uh, we, you know, we've lost an engine. Uh, you start wondering like whether your insurance, your, your life insurance is up to date. Did that payment come out of the account? Do they, will they know how much I love them? You know, my brain just starts going nuts. It just starts going crazy. And, um, but you know what the reality of, of a plane crash is? One in 11 million. Some of you are like me. You're like, well, that doesn't sound, that sounds like a lot, you know. <laughs> it's like, it sounds like pretty good odds. Uh, but they're not. 11, uh, one in 11 million. So my fear that I have over flying is not based on reality. It's just not. It's just not the truth. It's not based on reality, be a reality but my mind has the power to make it reality for me. Right? In that moment, you could not unconvince me that we're not going down because I believe that we are. <laughs> I've seen the movie alive. I know what happens. We're going to start eating each other when we hit the ground. If any of us makes it, I know what's going to happen. Uh, or maybe you've had a conversation with somebody and you just, because of their mannerisms or, or the way they were looking at you, maybe they were having a good time in your conversation, but they just didn't notify their face. And, <laughs> and now you're like, and now you're like, this person does not like me. And now every time you see them, you're like, that person doesn't like me. <laughs> and you know, we just, it, the mind has power making things true for us. Uh, if you decided somebody was going to walk away from you long before they ever did, our mind has power to do that kind of stuff. And I'm not talking like new agey kind of power. I'm just saying it, the way we think determines what we, what we, how we live, what we do. Uh, and so uh, maybe if you're, you know, Maybe if you have like uh, connected thoughts to a shameful event or experience in your life, 
uh, and, and you have, and, and you constantly think, man, that, that's me, I, you know, that thing. Maybe you're, maybe you're a, um, oh, what do you call it? Maybe you're, uh, maybe something was true about you in the past. Maybe whether you did something or something uh, was, happened to you, and maybe that thing was true for a time, but now five years later, you still act like it's true about you, and it's just not true anymore. You're a slave to, a, to, a, to an old storyline. And, uh, and, and so anyway, sometimes we just get caught in these things. But today, I want to look at what we should believe uh, as followers of Jesus Christ, right? It should be different for us. Uh, and uh, what, it should, what, it should, what we should believe as followers of Jesus Christ about the thoughts that we think. And to do this, we're going to camp out in a, in a, a scripture that I love um, in 2 Corinthians 10. Um, and, and then we're going to do a drive-through past another one uh, real quick. And then... Uh, and then that'll be it. Uh, but I have struggled with fear a long time. A long, long time. So I'm going to be really honest this morning. I hope I don't overshare, but you never know with me. Uh, I just sometimes I feel it and I just go with it. Um, but I've struggled with fear a long time. And uh, probably since my kids were born, about seven and a half years ago. And I don't know if you've ever feared losing something until you, it, it's funny how you fear losing stuff when you really have something to lose. I didn't fear a lot of stuff when I was younger, um, you know, until I had a wife, till I had kids, till I had people I, I feel like I'm supposed to take care of. And uh, anyway, and so that kind of ha- has grown in my life since then. And, you know, and, and it's not just a past struggle. It's one I still continue to work through pretty heavily today. And so we'll talk about that, but, but, but debilitating fear is just awful if you've ever experienced it. And, it's, um, and maybe yours isn't fear. Maybe yours is shame or anger or bitterness or, or whatever it is, and you keep coming back to it. But, um, you know, as a parent, fear for me in general uh, can cause me to become a hover parent. <laughs> I am. I'm a hover parent. Matter of fact, if I'm out here and my kids are roaming around the church, they're, they're six and seven, for goodness sakes. But if you're talking to me and I see my children running around the room, I will, I'll be listening to you, sort of. Uh, but I'm watching them out of the corner of my eye. And if one of my kids goes missing, I start to go, one of you stole them. One of you, bring them back. And they're in the bathroom or something. But they didn't tell me. Anyway, it's... it's it's funny, but it's real. <laughs> um, but and I, I'm very aware of, of how pa- uh, kids can feel controlled by their parents. And I'm not trying to control my children. I just want everything to be safe and okay for me. And <laughs> it might be a little selfish. Uh, but it is. It's just, it's just real. And so I, I don't want to be that. I don't want to have kids like that who grow up and go, oh, dad was so controlling, I, you know, and start to push back against me because all, all I do is want to love them, right? That good suffocating kind of love. <laughs> I want to smother them. Um, but I'm very aware of that, and yet in my thought life, I'm not sure how to change it. I'm not sure. Um, so anyway, uh, you know, maybe you fear uh, thoughts or, or feelings people have about you. Maybe you... Uh, have a hard time thinking about your purpose and your potential, your God-given purpose and potential and, and seeking after those things because of uh, your fear of failure and what, not just fear of failure, but what people will think of you when you do fail. Um, it's, just a, it's just an awful cycle. Um, so anyway, I want to look at uh, the science of it uh, today and the theology of it uh, around freedom in our thinking. 
Uh, what you believe and what you think determines, like I said, how you live. So that's pretty important to look at it this morning. Uh, so we're going uh, to, like I said, go to Second Corinthians 10 and start in verse uh, 3. And this is a great scripture. Uh, I, I think that we'd love to quote, but it'd be nice to really fully understand it this morning. So here we go. Second Corinthians um, chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. So saying, Paul's saying, so we're made of flesh, we're human, but we don't war as human. We have, we have something way better than that, way bigger. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not made of flesh, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You've heard this scripture before, right? It's a lot easier to read and go, woo, than to actually like put it into practice. So we're going to talk about that. But Paul introduces this whole concept with military language. He says you're in a war and it's fierce. And he doesn't just, he doesn't tell us what it is right away. He tells us even though it may feel, you know, like flesh, it may feel like it's right here and there's really nothing to fight. He says it's not happening in the flesh. It's happening in the spiritual realm but that's okay, because that's the kind of weapons you have. You have spiritual weapons, mighty in God. You have something mightier to wage war with. Our weapons are mighty. This word is great, and you've heard it before in the Greek. It's dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. It means to blow things up. And so our weapons are mighty for blowing things up. They are mighty for pulling down strongholds. The word stronghold is nowhere else in the New Testament. So it's safe to say that Paul pulled this right out of culture. And uh, it, it means a fortress or a foxhole or a bunker, right? Some place you would run in war or in a battle to get safe. That's a fortress. And Paul says there are strongholds we want to pull down, which doesn't make sense because you go, why would you want to pull down a safe refuge? We're going to talk about that. He says they are mighty for pulling down strongholds. And then he tells us what strongholds, what these strongholds are made of. He says there are arguments and every high thing that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. They are arguments and every high thing. And these are the two things that you'll want to use those spiritual weapons to bring down. These are, these are the things you've been, you, you know, you, that you'll want to use your spiritual weapons on. Then he says, and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What's the knowledge of God? It's the truth, isn't it? It's, it's everything in the heart and mind of God. Um, it's, it's the way he set this whole thing up for us to live. Um, it's, it's, it's capital T truth. Uh, it's the way and will of the creator. And the knowledge of God is understanding that very thing and coming into agreement with his way. And so arguments and high things, strongholds that we hide in are dangerous because they set themselves up between us and the truth of God, ultimate truth, uh, the real truth. Then he says, bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. There is where Paul tells you where the battle is raging, right? Otherwise, we could think it's anywhere, and we do. But he says, every, bring every thought captive. And so this is where we find out that it isn't a war, that we're pulling down strongholds in the Middle East, that we're pulling down strongholds in government, in politics, celebrity culture, public school system. We're not raging a war there. He says, take every thought captive. This, 
this war is very much in your mind. This, not that you dreamt it, but I'm saying the Paul one he's talking about. Uh, the war uh, is happening, Paul says, inside our mind. That's, the war is happening for your thoughts. And so that's where the war rages, and, the scripture, and, and this scripture was great news, uh, because he says we have the weapons for pulling down these strongholds, uh, for clearing out the things up here that are getting in the way of us and real truth. And, and we have to clear that out every once in a while. How many of you know it's not just cobwebs you have to be concerned with up there? You get all kinds of lies and all kinds of crazy stuff. And, 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 you know, and we, we have weapons for clearing out all those things that are in the way, uh, like I said, that are against God so that you might have a sound mind. Uh, men's brains, fun fact, men's brains uh, on average weigh about three pounds. You ever held one in your hands? <laughs> Any surgeons in the room? Um, <clears throat> Uh, while women's on average are about two and a half pounds. You know, the Lord probably just thought they don't need as much to do the same job. Oh, huh? <laughs> uh, well. Uh, but our minds is where we spend most of the time. I cannot leave my house all day and be exhausted because I've been running around in my mind all day. Do you have the same problem? I will be exhausted. I'll be like, my wife will come home and it was Friday, it was my day off and I'm just laying on the couch. She's like, what happened to you? <sighs> been in my mind all day. Uh, I'm exhausted. Don't talk to me. <laughs> and, uh, but we have these weapons, the Bible says, to bring down strongholds, weapons to get out of the ditches in our thinking. Um, and, and I'm realizing that my thoughts have the power to create all kinds of stuff out of nothing. They create fiction out of, or, or truth out of fiction all the time. Uh, to make something true that absolutely isn't true. You ever believe something for a little while and then somebody said, you are crazy because you actually like decided because you couldn't keep it in anymore. You couldn't keep the craziness in so you finally just told somebody and they're like, I'm so glad you told me. But that's, that's pretty nuts. Like that's pretty wild. You might need to not tell anybody else <laughs> that. Um, but you might want to work on getting some truth in your life because I think you've spent too much time watching the news or you've spent too much time by yourself. <laughs> uh, you know, just to create something, my mind has a way of creating something rational, right, out of something irrational all the time. And our thoughts are much like a riderless horse, but the problem is they get our emotions going right along with them. And, uh, and I love this because neuroscience backs this up. We now know what Paul couldn't have known when he wrote this scripture back in the day. Our brains are made up of a hundred billion neurons. And you, you even know what a neuron is. I don't. Uh, but uh, that's the research. A uh, hundred billion neurons and those neurons create 100 trillion connections firing all the time. Uh, that's, that's a bit hard to grasp. What's a million? A million seconds ago is 12 days ago. Uh, a billion is one billion seconds ago is June, as of today, June 23rd, 1988. I was born. That's good. Um, uh, a trillion seconds ago, I, I counted about halfway and then I just times it by two. Uh, um, a trillion seconds ago is about 30,000 BC. And, our, our, and your brain can make a hundred trillion connections all the time, just firing. And these connections are really important because they create shortcuts for your daily life. Like this morning, you probably didn't have to pull out the owner's manual of your vehicle in order to start it to drive here today, right? Or you didn't have to go to YouTube to remember the 
recipe for your morning coffee. Like you just, you know it because somebody taught you. At one point, you did have to look these things up. Somebody taught you these things and you did them enough that your brain just created a shortcut. Um, Baby's learning to walk. You're watching neural, pa- neural pathways be created, and now we don't even think about walking. Well, some of us do. Um, every time I go up and down these steps. Uh, but we don't even, it, our brain is amazing and creates these shortcuts. And, uh, you know, you probably didn't pull out a map. A map? Oh, Rand McNally. It did pull out this map to drive to church this morning, you, or get on your phone. It, your first time you came to KCC, you probably did maybe even the second time, but you probably don't pull out a map anymore to come to church because it's, and now you don't even, now you drive here and you don't even remember driving here and you stop by Starbucks on the way, right? Like we, our brain just creates these shortcuts and um, your mind is fixed on other things and it's just amazing how, how it's second nature now because your brain has created shortcuts. But what if I told you, okay, I'm going to keep talking in English, but don't understand it. You couldn't do it, right? Because you understand English and you can't just say, oh, okay, I'm not going to know English anymore. I mean, there's just all different kinds of things. And I think this is why like strokes are really bad because they are, are so detrimental is because they interrupt and they destroy neural pathways and, and those shortcuts in your mind. And so that's why people have to eat or learn how to eat, walk, and they go to months and years of therapy sometimes to learn how to eat and walk and to, you know, speak all over again. Um, so these pathways are helpful, except when they're not. <laughs> it's deep. <laughs> these pathways are helpful, except when they're not. Except when uh, we create damaging pathways in our brain uh, that tell us something is true because we've experienced it once or twice, especially when there's great trauma connected with that. Um, uh, it, it just trauma has a way of just cementing uh, thoughts and driving grooves deep in our minds uh, because it's attached to a, a you know an intense emotion that we're not likely to forget anytime soon. But anyway, I want to I want to jump back to our, our text real quick uh, because I think it's really important uh, that we look at the automaticity of the brain, the way our our way our brain uh, automates function. Uh, it's just amazing what it can do. Uh, it's uh, okay. So the scripture says. Our weapons are mighty for pulling down strongholds, pulling down arguments. Uh, the word argument in the Greek is logismo. Turn off your phone in church. Is it, is it mine? Oh, it's me. Never mind. She must. Uh, never mind. I'm not going to share text from my wife with you. She said, great job, babe. <laughs> it ain't over yet, sweetheart. It ain't over yet. Um, Greek word logismos. Logismos means, uh, the word for arguments, means calculated arguments, thoughts, bottom line reasoning that reflects someone's values. For instance, how you personally assign weight in determining what they find reasonable or what what a person finds reasonable. So for our purposes, I'm going to say what they find to be true, what 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 they know is true. Um, it's, it's, it's this calculated uh, reasoning uh, formed over a time and experience. Uh, the more you see something and experience something, uh, you know, and like we said, especially if it's attached with great trauma, you will believe that that is the prevailing truth, even if it isn't. We'll come back to that. The logismos is the lens through which you see the world. Uh, it's uh, the way I can come into this room and I can say, this is a large crowd because I've seen a hundred smaller ones. And you can come into this room and you can say, well, 
this is a, this is a small crowd because you've seen a hundred larger ones. Uh, and, and both of those things can be true, uh, but we're both just seeing it through our, through our own perspective or our, viewing it through our own lens. We build it through the viewpoint of our worldview. And so our logismos forms what we believe long before we even slow down to assess what it is we actually think about or what it is, we're actually, what it is we actually believe about that certain thing. These thoughts are constantly happening in our mind, right? A hundred trillion connections going fast all the time. <clears throat> Excuse me, happening in our lives, constantly forming these connections. And it's good to, you know, ask yourself every once in a while, are these connections good? Because we've got a lot of connections and a lot of shortcuts and a lot of pathways in our brain um, that will lead us to bad places. Um, anyway, the National Science Foundation published a study in 2005 uh, on how many thoughts are happening in the human brain every day. Want to take a stab at it? This is an F. 50,000 50, every day. That's about 55 thoughts a minute. All, just firing like crazy. And the content of your thoughts varies from person to person. Um, but one thing that doesn't change or, or one thing that, that is the same between people is this pretty interesting fact that 85% of your 50,000 thoughts are negative. They're just negative. That's a lot of times. So if you're awake for 12 hours, that's 10 hours and 12 minutes of negative thinking. Just pessimistic perception. And, um, uh, and your 50,000 thoughts, 95% uh, of them are the same thoughts as yesterday. They're repetitive. Uh, or two weeks ago or two years ago Thursday. They're just, you're constantly rehearsing the same argument, the same conversation, the same whatever. Oh, I wish I would have said that. Or, or, or whatever. It, they, they keep coming back. 95%. We keep thinking the same negative thoughts over and over. And next time you have a really bad, bad day, sit down with a piece of paper and write out every negative thought you thought that day. Do, just dig deep. And then pull out your color pencils and color code them. And say, this one had to do with, get real nerdy about it. This one had to do with work. This one had to do with the kids. This one had to do with that person I ran into that hates me because they didn't notify their face that they enjoy my conversation. I am pleasant, dang it. I'm pleasant to be around. But, you, you know, you just, and then you color code them. And you'll realize that you didn't have 100 thoughts that day. You really only had four. Right? You color code those puppies, you'll realize you only had four. Or however many. And all the thoughts started with an original route. Right? There's an engine to the train, and then all the other thoughts just kind of got on board in the boxcars behind it. And um, it's, it's a great little tool. Um, and so the really bad news is this whole scenario is you will never take 45,000 thoughts captive. Never. But you can take four captive. That's the good news. You can take four captive. Uh, and the rest could just follow. And so uh, it's really important um, if you're aware of your thinking. Uh, if you are aware this train is heading towards something like your train of thought is just going crazy and it's going towards fear, anger, bitterness, resentment, whatever, the Bible says we have the tools to pick up the track and redirect our train of thought. We get to pick up the track and redirect it in the way of truth uh, and, 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 and rip out this thing by the roots and, and begin to uh, redirect our thoughts. 
And we've been given the tools, the Bible says, the weapons. I can hold this thought up to the light of truth, right? To the light of God's word and ask Jesus to show me uh, the way he thinks about me or the way he thinks about this situation and to help me to continue to align my thoughts with the thoughts of God. It's huge. And it's in therapy, it's, it's, it's used all the time, and um, it's, we're replacing lies with truth. That's all we're doing. But you have to say them over and over. It is, it, it's amazing how that can be a bullet into, to blow up some things in your, in your thinking um, that you've been struggling with for a very long time. Uh, it's just like trying to keep a balloon in the air. You ever do that? I mean, I know you don't do that kind of stuff when your kids aren't around. Me, I'm like, shoot, the kids are gone. Let's play with their toys. <laughs> I love Legos. But like, um, anyway, uh, it's like keeping a balloon in the air. Thoughts fall into your awareness and out, or, uh, fall without your awareness all the time. The thoughts are constantly falling. And just like the balloon-like thoughts, you know, when they keep bouncing, uh, science says you can, you, can, you can keep bouncing this thought and keep playing with it, or you can just let it drop. That's good. But the Bible says I can do you one better. You can pick that thought up and you can hold it up to the light of God's word and, and ask God, um, is this true? And, and look at his word and, and discover. If, if, well, anyway, we'll get into it. Cornell University um, did a study uh, of people who have feared or who have fears and discovered 85% of those things never happened. Never happened. 85% never happened. And the 15% that it did happen to 79% of them said it was easier than they thought to handle or they learned something from it. So that puts it about 97% uh, of the thoughts you think or we think are ungrounded. They're just, they're baseless thoughts. 97. And uh, it's just pessimistic perception, like we said. It's a product of all this negative, negative thinking. And I wonder when the scripture says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, we're like, oh, he's after my marriage. He's after my success. He's after whatever. He doesn't need to be. All he's got to do is get inside your mind and, and, and produce a lie that will last you years. How many of you have believed something for years that isn't true? Just because, just because he got in there somehow, he smuggled it in and it stole your peace. And he will. Um, I, I just, I think he, I think he still kills and destroys our thoughts and, and, and the purpose God has on our life and, and your identity even by stealing your thoughts. I think that's where, I think that's the root of it, uh, which like we said, steals your peace. And if the numbers are right, it's working. Ooh, this is the most anxious generation we've ever seen, right? And I've only, <laughs> I'm pretty anxious. <laughs> uh, maybe it's subjective, but people have said this is the most anxious time to be alive. Uh, and I don't know, but I think it's working. And uh, if we were spending 85% of our time in baseless worry, doesn't that seem like it should be different for followers of Jesus Christ? It should be different for us, shouldn't it? The divorce rate should be different for us. You know, all these things that we think should be different that kind of aren't. Um, I think it should be different. Uh, for those who have been promised love, joy, peace, uh, all the fruits of the Spirit, all those things, those who know that they've been adopted into God's own family should be different for us. Uh, but most days, most days I think I could wrap my mind around who I am in Christ. But I'll tell you, there's some days I can't even get there. I cannot get there. Thoughts start falling. Uh, they get me amped up. My emotions start rolling. And I have a very difficult time finding my way back. 
I'm glad his mercies are new every morning because there is something about sleeping on it and waking up in the morning going, I remember, I remember. Uh, but some days, boy, I, I have a really hard time uh, with that. Maybe you do too, but I just get on board with my emotions. Uh, but it's, it's, anyway, so, so how do we put this scripture into practice? Number one, I'm going to give you some practical things uh, that might sound just like, you know, just follow these habits and whatever. I don't think you can do anything without the help of the Holy Spirit that's going to be lasting change. I just don't. Uh, lasting change. Um, and so, uh, so I'm going to give you some, some real practical things, though, with that said. Uh, we need to become, number one, um, observers of our own thinking, like real observers of what we think uh, all the time. Try to figure out where your thoughts are coming from because where your thoughts are coming from is where they're going, right? Like we talked about, it's going to come back around. And so we want to become aware of what we're thinking. Uh, what am I thinking about? What, are, what, what emotions are connected to this? And are they true? Are they true? Uh, become aware of what's going on in your brain. So often we're, we're just too busy or we're too stressed out or we're too afraid to, uh, to figure, to, to do the work. And uh, we just stay unaware. And sometimes that feels better, but it's just not better. But it's necessary to not only be aware, but also uh, to do the clearing out and the cleaning up up here. Um, super important. We spend uh, time getting our bodies fit, right? We spend time working, getting our bank accounts nice and fit. Uh, we spend time doing our devotions and spending time with Jesus and getting our spiritual life, our spiritual lives fit. Uh, but getting our minds and thoughts, thought life fixed, that's a real project, but it's super important. Um, have you ever lost your car in a parking lot? I went through a season of this. Like I just started, I'd walk out and I'd be like, uh, and then if you forget where you parked, oftentimes you forgot to change the battery in your fob so you can't just set off the alarm and find out where your car is. I, have, I, I ain't too, I, I'm not ashamed to tell you I have to turn the alarm on my, on my car. And it's really annoying for a second, but I go, oh, there's my car. Um, but the, I, don't, I don't think we're just, we have bad memories. I just think we're just bad at being aware. Uh, next time you park your car, if this is you, uh, look around. Look at your surroundings and, and, and just take a deep breath for a second. And I bet, you'll, I bet you'll stop losing your car. Or at least lose it less. We're just looking for improvement here. <laughs> uh, maybe you'll just stop losing it less. Uh, like I said, it just turns out that I don't have a bad memory. I think I just am not good at being real aware. I'll be on my phone as soon as I jump out of the car and I'm walking across the parking lot and I'm like, what did they say? What did she say? Oh, what do I got to do? What's on my calendar? And all those different kinds of things. And I'm just, and I forget where my car is. Um, I heard this story told by a pastor from the stage while she was preaching. She was talking to, or she, she saw one of her friends in the audience and she, with a man who wasn't her husband. And I mean, they were, they were cozy, like turbulence on a plane cozy, right? And she's like, and without skipping a beat, like she's still like preaching. It's just amazing how our brains keep going. Um, without skipping a beat, she's like, oh my gosh, why didn't she talk to me? I didn't even know her marriage was bad. Where, where, did, where did he come from? I didn't even know she started seeing somebody. Oh, and she started thinking about the kids and what they must be going through and the pain of this and all this kind of stuff. I need to reach out to her. I can't believe she wouldn't talk to me. This is just so sad and frustrating. And then she looks back again and she goes, well, that's not her. That's, that's definitely not her. That was another woman with her actual husband. And it's just, but it's amazing how you can keep moving and you can keep preaching and not miss a beat, even though you've had all those other thoughts. 
and it's just the automaticity of our brain and how our brain just naturally picks up and keeps going. Uh, but it's, again, it's amazing how quickly our thoughts can run away, uh, creating fiction. Uh, but also that you can think all those thoughts, like I said, and not, not stop doing what you're doing. Uh, how automatic certain jobs and certain tasks that we do are, uh, that we, we don't have to slow down. But we should uh, if we're going to live more aware of our thought life. Uh, I want to learn to be mind, mindful. Uh, I, you know, I just, I don't know. I want to learn to be mindful and present right here where my thoughts are instead of running off to the next thing or letting my mind run ahead and make easy escapes and, and all this kind of stuff. One way to increase um, your mindfulness, no, mindfulness, that's a weird word, um, your awareness, is uh, try 30 minutes less, less of this. Oh. Some of you go, I could do that. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Um, you, you know, it's, it's super practical, but I think um, just the, the rise in technology, I think it is killing us in this area of living more aware. I think it is killing us. It's the first thing um, some of you do when you go to the bathroom, right? Like, you got time. <laughs> um, no other generation in history had this when you were going to the bathroom. But, or, or like when you're just in a waiting room, right? Nobody talks to each other anymore. When was the last time you picked up a magazine in the doctor's office? You just don't. Maybe you, who, cold and flu season, I don't touch those magazines. That's disgusting. Nasty. Um, or, you know, or anyway, uh, I just want to live more aware, uh, you know, and, and get away from devices. Maybe you could eat dinner without distraction. Uh, maybe on your way home or when you're cooking dinner or when you're working on a project down in the garage, you could have a little internal meeting with yourself and say, hmm, what have I been thinking about lately? Are these thoughts true? You know, uh, whatever. Um, but, and then hold it up and ask, should I be believing this or is there something else you'd like to show me, Lord? Is there something else? Is there a blind spot or something I'm just not seeing? Uh, the examples of losing your car and other things, those are annoying. Uh, but being continually unaware of your thoughts and whether or not uh, you're believing or, or what you, whatever you're believing, lines up with God's word um, or the word of God uh, and his heart for your life. Being unaware of those things is very damaging to you. I see people all the time who have not slowed down enough to, and they, they just keep going, and they're like, I need to talk to somebody. And you're like, we you probably could have done a lot of work by yourself just by slowing down and asking yourself what's going on. Um, but anyway, uh, people will run to substances, behaviors to try to escape the incessant landing of thoughts, Right? Uh, whether they're from the past or, or whatever, uh, to escape the stuckness you feel within strongholds and thought patterns uh, that we can't seem to break free from. Uh, we can't see the truth sometimes, and hope deferred makes the heart sick, so you start to feel hopeless because they keep coming and, and, uh, and living in anxiety that you really don't have to be living in. Uh, anxiety doesn't have to be the boss of us, and that's the best news. Um, so science says, observe a thought without judging, and I'll do this. And I think of something and I, I catch myself and my emotions starting to run away with me when I think of something silly. I'll, I'll tell you about something here in a second, uh, more about my kids. Um, and, and science says you can just drop it, just let it go. But if it keeps coming back, it's time to hold that puppy up to the, to the light of God's word and ask the Lord if that's true. Um, if every time you walk into a room and you feel inadequate, 
you don't feel as good as everybody else in the room. It's time to take that, time to take that thought, hold it up to the light of God's truth. What does the Bible say about you? It doesn't say you're inadequate. It says you're more than adequate, right? So there's a lie I'm believing, and, and these two can't exist. I mean, they do in people's minds all the time. You could be positionally in Christ, born again, new creation, and yet your mind, right? I'm going to be renewed by the, no, going to be, somebody help me with the scripture, renew, renewed by the, transformed by the renewal of my mind, right? You're amazing. Um, uh, and it's, it's, it, that's what happens. And so I could be positionally different, but I can still be believing lots of lies and I, I can't seem to get past them and move forward. And um, anyway, if, if uh, you know, you keep landing, if your relationships keeps landing in the gutter, it's probably time to hold that thought up to, um, to the light of God's truth and ask him, what, am I, what do I need to see here about my relationships or the people I'm involved with or, or whatever? Uh, maybe your financial life stinks. Maybe you like, you're constantly in a, a cycle of poverty. Maybe it's time to take that, that thought or that, that thing and hold it up to the light of God's truth and say, what do I need to know? about my finances or my financial life? Am I submitted to you in this area? The Lord is so good at this kind of stuff when we come to him and we ask him. And, and people can help you with this. There are people who know God's truth for your life <laughs> or God's truth for, for life in general, the way he set this whole thing up to work. And so when we're not living according to the way he set it up to work, it's not necessarily sin, I would say. It's just not gonna work out for you because you're not, you're, your heart isn't fully submitted to God in those areas. Not always, I'm not saying that's, that's it's all your fault not and you may need a counselor to do this but i'll tell you it's the best money you will ever spend to have somebody help you with your thoughts who is not emotionally attached to all the baggage you feel every time you think a thought it's very good best money you'll ever spend um because the battle is raging in your mind and we fight for the freedom of our thoughts. And, you know, could you imagine what you do with 85% more of your time that is stuck in worrying or stuck in repetitive thinking, negative thinking? Um, number two, what happens if a thought is true but still produces fear and anxiety and turmoil for you? I, I have one of these in my life that I'm aware of <laughs> right now. Uh, many of you know this story because I told it from the States not too long ago, but if you don't know me, uh, my son years ago, when he's seven months old, was flown up to uh, Portland in the middle of the night for uh, emergent brain surgery. He had flu-like symptoms, but they were getting pretty bad uh, to where he just wasn't responding anymore. He was just lethargic. Um, and then uh, got him up to Portland. They did sur brain surgery. He had water in his brain um, that uh, was causing him to whatever. And... Uh, I'm telling you, that messed me up. When you're heavy in dreamland one night and all of a sudden your child needs to go to the hospital, right? Everything happens in the middle of the night, doesn't it, with kids? It's like the most convenient time for them uh, to get sick. Um, but what that experience produced in my life because it was attached to a severely traumatic moment for our family, every time my children get the sniffles, I think they're going to die. Uh, it's, it's like, oh, Trust the Lord. I've been trying for seven and a half years. Seven and a half years since it happened. It is gut-wrenching for me. I, I tell my, my wife's a doctor, for goodness sakes, and I wish that helped. <laughs> it just doesn't. Hey, baby, what's wrong? She can check for an ear infection. I go, oh, it's an ear infection. But when you've lived, when you've been through 
where everything's perfect and, or fine, everything's good, and then 360, full-fledged children, child, you know, they're saying, you know, we got to get him up there and do this stuff. It messes you up. Message, and I preach this stuff, and I have a hard time trusting the Lord with my children. Just be honest. I have a really hard time. Um, uh, so this time, if you really stinks, cold and flu season, oh, baby, it's rough, right? Oh, and coronavirus, don't get me started. Some of you are like me. Some of you are like me, and, and coronavirus in Oregon now has got you in knots. But at the end of the day, what do you do? Like, what am I going to do? I can not, what the Bible says, not one bit more worry is going to change anything, right? And it's not going to change the course of my life. It's not going to save my children. It's not going to whatever. And is it rational? Is it, it's, it feels very true to me because once again, it was attached to a very traumatic event. Um, you know, the other, uh, it was a few years ago, I was in my room, uh, in our room, and, and I heard a child go, uh, breathing down the hall. And I thought, Oh crap! They had—I mean, oh darn—they had the sniffles, and um, they had the sniffles, and now they—they can't breathe. It was my son Ashton. And he's a problem child, you know. I think he just attention is what he wants. And next thing we know, we're in the ER. It wasn't like just take him into a, a shower or take him outside. Like it was—you need to get some steroids in this kid to open up that airway again. But uh, we've had a few things like that, and it has just driven that groove real deep in my mind that they're going to die. Like, this is it. And we got to, you know, whatever. Is it true? No. Of course it's not true. I know that. I really do. Uh, but in the moment, oh, it takes everything in me to know that that's not true, to, to remember that. I, I often go to worst case scenario and let my mind rush back to this place of fear. And so, um, and so like when the flu was spreading last year, right? And we even knew people who were hospitalized for breathing issues and all that kind of stuff. Um, Man, I just knew my kids were going to get it. Spoiler alert, they never got sick. Um, it was a good year for us. <laughs> but, uh, but my brain creates this shortcut, right? And it, like we've seen this before, Chad, where you start preparing to go to the hospital. And I do that still. My kids were sick last week. My son had strep throat. I tell you, it's him. Something's wrong with him. <laughs> he needs a, a booster in that uh, immune system. But I laid my clothes next to the bed, my jeans and everything, uh, right next to the bed, just in case we're getting up in the middle of the night. He went to bed with sniffles, for goodness sakes. You know what I'm saying? He had strep later, we found out. Um, but I lay my clothes next to my bed, so in case I have to get up and go in a hurry, because I wasn't prepared last time, but I'm going to be prepared this time. You know what I mean? It's, it's really hard to get out of that kind of thinking, so this is still very much something uh, I deal with. But our brain has a way of, of, of creating these shortcuts, and, you know, um, uh, it, it's, it's amazing. Uh, uh, where am I? I've jumped all over my notes. I don't even know. Uh, but you have a few experiences like that, and your, and your brain begins to create pathways to prepare you for something bad coming. Uh, and, you know, is it true, like I said, that my son's going to die? No, it's just not. I mean, well, anyway. Uh, and yet I've been, I've been doing this for over seven years, uh, still coming back to this place of saying, Lord, I need some, I need some truth here when I'm, when I'm feeling flooded by emotions and thoughts and it's exhausting. And, um, anyway, and so something that hasn't even happened yet, uh, your brain does this really smart thing and it, and it creates this system of safety for you. It runs ahead and it warns you, Right? 
uh, that something bad is coming. And it's warning you, but it's, it warns me, but it's killing me. It's killing me because my, 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 my heart rate gets elevated and I just start, my emotions start to go and the rest of me gets on board and I, I just, I get weird. And I, I, I try not to, you know, act emotionally crazy every time I'm around somebody, you know, like, hey, how's it going? Oh my gosh, I got to tell you, I've just been waiting for somebody to ask, you know, and you just like let it all out on them. Um, but sometimes you like have it build up, right? <laughs> anyway, maybe, maybe not you. Uh, but then, like I said, all your emotions get on board. And it, it is, it's killing me. Uh, in moments like this now, I slow down and I ask Jesus to show me the stronghold here. Because I know it is. I know, I know all this other stuff isn't true. It's not my external life, right? It's not, it's not my children are really in danger. It's, it's up here. And so, Lord, where's the stronghold? And in this place where I want to freak out and I want to come undone, what do I do with this thought? And the thought came to me, um, uh, when a thought is, is, is true or, or has a possibility of being true, you just need a higher truth. You know, the Lord is wanting to speak better things over your life all the time. Uh, and yet we're, we're stuck in this place. But if we can bring ourselves to... And, and for me, the higher truth in this moment is a Jake Hamilton song. I don't know if you know who Jake Hamilton is. Worship artist was down at Bethel for a little while. And he sang this song, It's All Gonna Be Okay. And it was based on the scripture... Um, uh, he says, uh, I, I know your eye is on the sparrow, so your heart is on me. You know, this, this uh, out of Matthew where he talks about, you know, the, God cares for the birds and, and doesn't, he, doesn't he care for you so much more? And I'm, I'm thinking of that. And, and for me, I know it's all going to be okay. In those moments, I'm not sure that it's all going to be okay in that moment. But the higher truth for me in that moment was it's all going to be okay because my, I'm just, I'm just Ashton and Natalie's earthly dad. All my job is is to feed them, you know, and to take care of them, keep a roof over their head, to protect them as much as I can, and to point them back to Jesus. That's pretty much, that's pretty much all I know to do as a, as a father. Um, and it makes my job simple. But I can't, I can't run ahead of them, controlling every situation, making sure that nothing ever happens to them, building a bubble around their lives. I know that's, I know that's not true. Uh, I'm safe, they're safe, because my, my dad is on the job, right? My heavenly father's on the job, and he loves them way more than I do. And he's, gonna and he's the only one who has the power to actually take care of them the way I think they need to be taken care of. And so, um, you know, and, and it might get a little hairy, but we've been through hairy situations before, and it's always been okay. We're still here. We're still kicking. We still love Jesus. And moments like these uh, will happen, and we just can't stop them from happening. So we've got to grasp onto a truth uh, that will keep us locked in and firm in those moments of uncertainty and insecurity. And one neuroscientist describes our minds and our thoughts in the midst of busyness as trying to see the stars in the city, uh, you know, with all the lights and all the smog. He says, but in the peace of the countryside, uh, you can see the brilliance of the galaxies and you know, all this beautiful stuff. And uh, it's really poetic. Uh, but I really thought that was pretty brilliant because uh, we will need to get away uh, to a quiet place in order to assess and be more aware of, of what our thought life is. It's just what you have to do. Jesus even did it. Jesus, in the midst of doing wonderful things and being with people and healing and healing them and all these wonderful things, he still needed to go away and align his thoughts with his Father and align his, uh, his will with his Father's will. 
And so uh, we need to invite Jesus in and allow the inner working of the Holy Spirit, ask him to bring clarity uh, and to help me to identify those lies that need to be replaced with some truth. Uh, and, and there's just nothing like the Holy Spirit showing you uh, this is what's damaging you. This is what's keeping you angry. This is what's keeping you unsuccessful. There's nothing like the Lord coming in and doing that work in you. Uh, so let him in and uh, allow him to, to do a real work in your thinking. Uh, also, uh, 2 Timothy 1.7, great scripture, you all know it. For God has not given us a, f- a spirit of fear, hello somebody, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. A sound mind. That word in the Greek is sophronesmos. It means controlled, um, mm, what is it? Controlled, safe, disciplined thinking. Thinking with borders around it. Doesn't go too far. It's got borders around it. Thinking that can serve you instead of sabotage you. Thinking that can give you hours back in your thinking time and in your worrying uh, that's, the kind of, that's the kind of sound mind. And I want to have a sound mind. Every time I get stirred up or my thoughts start to run away with me or run away without me, uh, I want to slow down and ask, are these thoughts anchored to the love of God, to, to his desire, to his will for my life? Are they anchored to the love of God for my life? And I'm telling you, he loves me a lot. Oh, shoot. Just this last week, I was like, oh, you love me a lot for whatever reason, not that my external circumstances, <laughs> uh, you know, are an indica- indication of God's favor on my life, uh, or for you. But man, are my thoughts anchored to the love of God? Also, am I a slave to an old storyline? Like I said, it was true at one time. It's just not true anymore. This is not true, but we live like it's true because of something we believe, or you feel that fear come back. Ashton is not sick anymore, but I act like he is. Um, am I a slave to an old storyline? Good things to good things to ask. Can I pray for you? Jesus, we love you. We invite you in, Holy Spirit, to do a work in our thinking. Lord, our thought life is is our life. Lord God, everything that that we do really comes out of that. And so, Lord, we pray that you would do the work there. Lord God, if the battle is there, help us to utilize the weapons that you've already given us. Uh, for warfare, Lord, to bring down these strongholds in our minds, that we don't have to be, we don't have to be a slave to anxiety anymore, and we don't have to be uh, depressed, and we don't have to, all these things, Lord, I know they're real. I've experienced many of them, but Lord, I don't have to be, and I don't have to anymore, Lord Jesus, but bring people around us, Lord, to show us how to do this, uh, to walk with us. Lord God, people outside of the emotions of it all and, and, and outside of getting stirred up with us. Lord God, would you bring people to help us, uh, to help walk with us, to help give us a sound mind, Lord. And, uh, above all else, your Holy Spirit to do that work in us, to reveal some things that just aren't true. Lord, would you just bring that into the light? Uh, for us and and begin to replace those things with the truth of your word. Help us to love your word. Help us to get it in us. Lord God, it is a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path. Lord, it uh, it is our guidebook through this life. And so we pray that you would give us a love and a desire uh, for, for, for you, Lord God, the knowledge of God, real truth, Lord, uh, to know how this whole thing's supposed to work. We love you so much. We just thank you, Jesus, for all that you're doing in our hearts, Lord God, and in our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. I sure love you guys a lot. 
Um, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, I'm sure we have some prayer partners. Not at the moment, but they'll be here if you would need some prayer. Maybe you just need some help with your thinking. Maybe there's some things that you just, boy, I feel like super relaxed. Um, maybe there's just some things you need to uh, talk with somebody about or, or share something. I, I, I promise you, our prayer partners are awesome, and they can speak truth into your life and into a situation and help to uh, start that, start that um, thing of, of replacing some lies maybe with some truth. Anyway. I hope you'll hope you'll take the time. We love you guys so much. We'll see you next week. Woo!